Last week we were talking about how the anointing rests on authenticity. And I, I literally can't think of a, a better person than Roy when I think of that statement. And it's because I love how you're always yourself and that you don't try to fit the mold of any other minister or whatever. You continue to be you and you fight for the convictions that God has placed in your heart. And I, I, I'm thankful for that. And that's why to have you and your family in the house tonight to be able to speak over our body and our region is an absolute honor. And uh, we're so excited. And I just, I encourage everybody to just know, I want you to have such an open heart to receive from our dear friend. And impartation is coming tonight, clarity, direction, and most of all, more intimacy with our Lord and the fire of God. So we're gonna cue this video up and I want you to know you all just this is this is you you do you tonight and we're just gonna let you do that there's no no hose barred so <laughs> let's get ready father I just pray in this house tonight that not one person would leave the same as they came in here father I thank you for smashing prerequisites preconceived ideas of how tonight's supposed to be Father, we get out of the way. Let the Holy Spirit come and do what He wants to do through His Word, through Your voice, through Your Spirit. We lift our hands in this place as a sign of surrender, Lord. Just in the old days, as the policeman would say, put your hands up. Come on, just lift your hands as a sign of surrender tonight. We're saying, Holy Spirit, arrest us. Take us into the Holy of Holies tonight. Where we may know who you are and who we are and who you've called us to be. We worship you tonight, Lord. There is none like you. Not in heaven or on earth. We worship you with every fiber of our being tonight, Lord. Our blood screams out, worship the King. He is the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. We give you all the praise and the glory tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people shout it out. Come on, do you love them tonight? Let's sing one more time. Hallelujah. There is none like you. No one else, no one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search throughout eternity long and find there is none like you. There is none, amen. There is none like you. No one else, oh God, no one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search throughout eternity long and find there is none like you. Wow. 
Can we say thank you to the band tonight? You guys are awesome. Now let's give Jesus the biggest shout of praise tonight. Come on, give it 20 more. Thank you, Lord. All right. One more time. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to shout as loud as you can. Say, God, tonight is my night. I'm not leaving here the same. I'm leaving changed, set free, healed, delivered, set my heart on fire that it may burn for you. Now somebody give the biggest Palm Harbor shout of God you can in this place. Awesome. All right, I'm stealing your band. Come on, somebody give somebody a high five. Say, you look good in the anointing. God's going to get you tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Man. Could you just take the passion down in this place just a little bit, Dominic? Wow. I want to say thank you to Pastor Dominic and Jackie for having my wife and I here and my, my family. How many love your pastors, man? And I don't, I don't mean this in a condescending way. I am so proud. I am so proud. This guy played acoustic guitar behind me in 2008. He was like, hey, man, I work with Nick Katsia. I'm at the river. I'm in the worship team. I'm just, just great. Hey, I've got this little ditty. I don't know if you've ever heard it. What do you think of this? And he goes, da-da-da-da-da. And his little song part there in the song has gone around the world. Millions of people have heard the song. All because of your giving that to the what we did. I mean, it just... What do you think of this? I think it's going to touch everybody. That's what I think. <laughs> so we're just really thankful. Thanks for having us here, man. And it's great to be here. I just got back from New York. And by the way, let me just say hi to my, my kids here. This is my son, David, his girlfriend, Kelsey, my daughter, Joy, and my wife, Melanie. Would you guys stand so they could just greet you? This is my family. Melanie, why don't you come up and say hello real quickly? This is my beautiful wife. Somebody says, oh, you know you married up, right? But my wife would always correct them and go, what are you saying, that I married down? I like this woman, you know, I'm going to keep her for a while. We just celebrated 22 years back in June. Isn't that awesome? Just greet the people. Hello. Um, I'm glad, glad to be here. We've been in New York for a long time. We were on the mission field in New York. And <laughs> come on, it is a mission field. Have you guys been, has anybody been to New York yet? A few of you. Okay. It's a little different up there. Let's just say you don't know how free Florida is until you get out across the state line. 
So I just want to encourage you, we are the forerunners of freedom at this point in our life. You, you probably never thought you'd be there, but we are the forerunners of freedom because we fought for our freedom. And we stood alongside other people that were fighting for their freedom. We cheered them on. We championed them. Maybe a few of you talked bad about them, but we'll forgive you of that if, if you got over that. Um, but we, we, we champion the freedom to, to choose, to choose to worship the Lord and not give in to fear. And, and not succumb to that. And because of that, our state is one of the freest states right now. It is. But I just want to encourage you, there are Christians, they're, they're, like, they're like hiding in some of the other states, wondering if anybody else believes like they do. So I just want to encourage you, the, they, they are out there and they need somebody to remind them that they still believe the same way that the Bible teaches. We need to remind them that their voice matters. We need to remind them that they're not alone, that we're the body of Christ. We are fighting together. And so we went up to New York on the, on the word of the Lord, and we were there for quite a long time, and I was so happy to come back. But we're, we're glad to see them coming out. I was so sad when I got up there and I heard what some of the, some of the health officials did to the churches up there. They literally wrote them up in the newspaper when they were having meetings to warn people that they were having COVID outbreaks in their churches. They were so discouraged, the Christians. But in the middle of it, in the middle of it, we went up there and we had meetings. We did probably 19 days at two different, several different churches. We did like 25 days of different meetings, praying for the sick, laying hands on the sick, worshiping, singing loudly, dancing around, praising the Lord, and talking about faith in the name of Jesus. And I believe, and we just planted a seed in there, and we felt we got a, a tremendous response from the people. They were passionate. They were in love with the Lord, and they needed it. And I still believe our work is not done. I, I know we're supposed to go back, and the Lord gave us a very specific word while we're up there. Um, but I, I don't believe we're the only ones that's going to be sent out into some of the other regions of the, of, of the United States to remind the body of Christ who they are. And to fight for this season and this time, when it's the darkest hours, it's sometimes the, the moments before the greatest breakthroughs. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Glad to be here. Come on, give her a great big God bless you. She's awesome. And while we were in New York, by the way, I got kicked out of the Apple store in Syracuse for not wearing a mask. They just picked on the wrong guy. They really did. I got kicked out of Disney last year. It's not something I'm really proud of. Okay, I'm a little proud of it. <laughs> I literally walked in the Syracuse Mall, but before I went, now listen how this happened. This has nothing to do with scripture. <laughs> I called the Apple store. I didn't go to the, nation, the nationwide line. It went right to the Syracuse store. So I said, is this a Syracuse store? The lady said, yes, it is. Oh, good. I said, I'm from Florida. I haven't worn a mask in almost two years. I want to make sure if I come to your store that I can come in without a mask. You said, sir, CDC says it's highly, highly recommended, but not enforced. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit had me say, could you repeat that in my good ear? 
And she did. Now remember, all calls are recorded for quality assurance. How many are glad that they're recorded for quality assurance, right? I think you know where I'm going with this. So I said, I'm going to be coming as long as it's not going to be enforced. No, sir, listen, it is high. She's like trying to sell me on the highly recommended part. It's highly recommended, but not enforced. I said, okay, just want to make sure because I'm making a 25-minute drive to get there. So she goes, okay, no problem. So I go, I'm looking for a power adapter for my laptop, and I'm looking for, uh, what was the other thing I needed? I can't remember. It was something else. I think it was an iPad case. So I get there, and I already planned. The minute I walk in, if they give me any problems, I'm just going to walk like I didn't hear them. As soon as I walked in, I walked in through the door. Hi, sir. Welcome to Apple. I go, hey, good to see you. Can we help you find it? No, I'm good. Uh, sir, you need a mask. I said, no, I'm good. I don't. It's highly recommended, not enforced. <laughs> now, I kid you not, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. It's on video. Everybody's like, surveillance. Oh, my God, they're watching us. You know what? They're also watching them. <laughs> so guess what happened? Like Gestapo Nazis. I am not making this up. Four staff came bum-rushing me. Sir, you need a mask on. If you don't put a mask on, we're going to kick you out of the store. That's how quickly it went from zero to 60. And I went, you guys do what you want to do. I'm looking at these power pads and these adapters over here. They followed me around, all around the store. Next thing you know, mall security showed up. Now I'm surrounded by four staff and four mall security. I'm not exaggerating. Like I committed a crime. I stood there and I said, and I, I had my, I totally had my composure because I've been through this before. And now I'm in my home state because I was born and raised in New York, baby. 21 years born and raised. Then I moved to Florida because I got a word from the Lord. And they, they, they bum rush me. Next thing you know, they go, well, we're going to have to call the police. I says, you do whatever you have to do. I'm coming in here to buy a power adapter, and I'm here to buy an iPad case. And by the way, I called your manager, and she told me it was highly recommended, not enforced. I was very sweet. I went from zero to 60. Do you know her name? What was her name? Did you find out? I finally realized when the manager came out, it was a female voice, they set me up. They heard me on the phone say I was from Florida and that I hadn't worn a mask for two years. So they set me up. Now, here's the, here's the problem they had. When they set me up, I, I had got escorted. Not yet. I didn't get escorted yet. I had two police officers come in, and I was very respectful to them. But they're the only guys that walked in that didn't have masks. <laughs> this gets more ironic as it goes on. I said, what is their mask? We don't have to wear them. We're police officers. Oh, coronavirus is, they, it's intelligent now. It doesn't touch police officers. It only touches people that have masks. Okay. And I go, what's the problem? Sir, we're going to have to trespass you. I said, I've been through this. You guys do what you want. He goes, come on, you don't want to have to be trespassed. I said, sir, I'm not moving. If you have to move me, I will not resist you. But if you have to arrest me, arrest me. I said, this is ridiculous what's going on. I called ahead of time twice. They wouldn't let me come in. I heard he came in because they told me I could. And then the next thing you know, I'm having a conversation with him, and we're trying to explain, and I'm showing him the, the, the address and everything. And I go, sir, this lady answered from this store. I called before I came to try to avoid something like this happening. 
And I realized at that moment, and I've always realized this for two years now, they have pinned us against each other. Ladies and gentlemen, wake up. It's called conquer and divide, divide and conquer. Even the, the, the thing that's going on on the, the broadcast right now, and all the news channels are in agreement all of a sudden, including it rhymes with socks, Fox. Everybody's in agreement to show this particular thing because how many can see they're pushing this narrative on everybody in America? It's like North Korea. What does this have to do with Scripture? Everything. What you don't fight for, you will lose. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And just as you said, as cunning as that serpent is, he finds a way in until there's resistance from some people who say, I am not moving from this place. A, I know my rights, number one. B, I'm a child of God. You do whatever you have to do. Even if you put me in jail, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do right now. So he says, the Holy Spirit would never lead you to do that. Really? The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert for 40 days where he knew he was going to get bombarded by Satan. Why? Why would the Holy Spirit lead him into such a dark place? I'll tell you why. He knew absolutely what he placed inside of Christ would get him through whatever storm was to come. So it's a great story for me to tell you, but we ended up, I finally, I just said, okay, guys, you do what you got to do. He goes, well, we're going to have to trespass. I said, okay, that's what we want to do. They really didn't want to do this. So we walked out nicely. We got outside the door and I says, if you guys want to trespass, he goes, man, he goes, we don't want to trespass you. These guys were younger than me. I said, guys, I honor what you do. But I said, do you, you realize what's going on? He goes, listen, it's a civil matter. It's private property. I said, private property told me that I could come in. It was highly recommended, but not enforced. The end of that whole story is I called Nationwide Apple and I just happened to get the highest rank on that one call. And they said, we are the highest rank. I said, don't you guys have recorded calls for quality assurance? And they said, yes, we do. And we can see in our notes, this is some manager that answered from the Syracuse Mall. And I says, is there any disciplinary action that can be done? She goes, actually, there is. Sir, we take your call very seriously as well. Here's an email, fill this out, send it in as a claim, and there you go. And I'm not, I don't have any malice. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But if somebody's setting me up, you're in a place of authority. I'm the wrong guy to do that to. And I'm not a white supremacist. You get what I'm saying? So, so some people, they get afraid because they have the fear of man in them. They don't want to stand up for something. They go, why can't you just honor Romans 13, Roy? It says to submit to every ordinance of government. It's true that we should submit to every ordinance of government. But let me tell you something. There was a time when John and Peter were preaching the gospel down in the marketplace and they came down, it says a centurion guard and a temple guard. So that would be today's police officer. And that would be today's pastor or leader came down and said, can you keep it down? Don't be preaching in the name of Jesus. And they looked at them with the crowd listening and said, who should we listen to, you or God? It's not trying to be a hero. It's not trying to have, you know, this kind of macho thing to it. It has to do with standing for what you believe in your heart and not moving from it. I want you to quickly open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29 and go to verse 25. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. I got a couple things I really have on my heart here, especially for this place tonight. 
Come on, if you have your Bible, say, oh yeah. yeah. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. (laughs) Some of you have already read it. You're already ahead of me and you're stealing my thunder. (laughs) It's not fair. It's interesting. 29, 25. Here's what it says about the fear of man, what it'll do to you. The fear of man brings a snare. Look at me. The fear of man brings a snare. What you believe in your heart, the devil is coming to test the quality of your faith. Peter wrote about that in First and Second Peter. He said, don't think it's strange, this fire that comes upon you as if it's odd or alien to you, but you're being tested for the quality of your faith. These last 18 months... Everybody was going so fast around the world and things were happening so quickly and everybody was busy 24-7. The money was running like water. There was, stock market was up. Everything was just going quick, 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 quick. Remember I turned to my wife one day. I said, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if like Sunday afternoons everything would shut down and everybody go home and be with their families? I said that out of my mouth about 18 months ago. And then one day... Everybody went home to be with their families for longer than a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) Think about it. Everybody was happy with their life. Not everybody, but majority of people were pretty happy and pretty content with their life, especially Americans. They put a lot of their hopes in every kind of thing. They put their hopes in houses and cars and their jobs and their money and their businesses. They felt like everything is all good. I'm good. I'm happy. I got my Amazon account. I got my Netflix. I got, my, I got this and I got that. And then all of a sudden, in one day, everything was snatched out from underneath everybody. I remember when I came here a year ago. Remember, I was walking like this. How many were here for that? Remember that? I, the day before I came to the meeting, I was on my mower, my lawnmower, and I slipped And one leg went that way and one leg went that way. And my knee went that way. And I went this way. And my Aunt Bev came around. She said, you okay? And I said, and I said, how am I going to preach healing tomorrow night? Let me lay hands on you tonight. How many have a problem? Make your checks payable to Healing Ministries International. That would have been Jacob's ministry, wouldn't it? He's like, God, you're going to bless me. God's like, no, I'm not. He's like, yes, you are. He's like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. If you don't come and bless me, I'll come up there and bless you. And then the Bible says that the angel touched his hip. He wrestled with the angel. And then he's like, you know what? I might walk funny, but I got the blessing. Make your checks payable to Jacob. Got the Blessing Ministries International. For some of the new people, you're experiencing what they call happiness right now, which the body of Christ could use some. 
I have never seen more stale faces in upstate New York in my entire life. Do you know how they laugh, Dominic? They laugh like this. They go, ha, ha. It's like one, two, and it's over. I mean, they don't, it's not, it's not like, a, I want to put a sustain pedal on them and hook it into them and then, ha, 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 ha. Just try something different, you know? <laughs> it's true. You go to England, it's like, ha. You get one out of them. Anyway, I can walk now, by the way. Look at that. I'm healed. Of course, it's been a year. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be good tonight. You're supposed to have fun in the presence of the Lord. You know, here's the other thing I'm trying to divert. If you fear man, the Bible says, God's word says, you have created a snare for yourself and you will be trapped by the fear of man. If you're not convicted on the inside of what God's called you to do, men and women will control you. You should be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit doesn't just come and comfort you. He emboldens you and empowers you to do the extraordinary when you're just an ordinary person like me. And then people look at you, Deuteronomy 28 says, they'll be afraid of you because you actually know God. You walk with God. Somebody says, can you just use your inside voice, please? I don't like your shouting. I'm over the shouting thing. Well, you wouldn't have liked Jesus. You know why? They didn't have any amplification equipment. 2,000 years ago when they preached the gospel, when Jesus said the Beatitudes, he would have said, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know why? Nobody could hear him in the back. And now we come and... What are you, Milton from office space? Like, okay, well, they gave me a stapler, so I took the stapler, and then I just burned the place down because they gave me the stapler. I don't know if I... I, I'm like, where is the fire of God? Where is the Holy Ghost? Where is the authentic voice and sound of the Lord? I was raised for the last 35 years. I was raised by men of God that would walk through Africa like this prophet. His name was Vaughn Gerald. He passed away a few years ago. He didn't see it coming. I'm going to try this church over here. I'll be right back. Did you get that? It's like a grenade. He, that was terrible. That's like a TBN audience now. So anyway, I was raised by men of, men of God that this particular man of God was raised by a woman by the name of Ruth Ward Heflin. I mean, have ever heard that name before, Ruth Ward Heflin? Ruth Ward Heflin said some amazing things as she was growing up in the Lord. She said, uh, praise until the spirit of worship comes. When the spirit of worship comes, I'm uh, sorry, when the spirit of worship comes, worship until the glory comes. When the glory comes, stand in the glory. Powerful, powerful. Well, this man of God, he went through Africa and he had a bunch of evangelists with him that thought they were going to be the next Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonkies. And they were walking through the desert. As they were walking through the desert, they were so thirsty. And I think they were in the desert for like five, six hours or something. They were very thirsty. 
And they walked up to this 50-gallon drum, and in this 50-gallon drum was water that was like, had like foam on it, and there was rust in it, and there was like mosquitoes in it, and like dead flies and old booster shots from Moderna. And Vaughn Gerald, he's a six foot six Englishman. Six foot six Englishman. When he would prophesy, this is how he prophesied. This is back in 1985. And thus says the Lord thy God, even this day, that if you stand one foot in front of the other, that you shall not go to the left or to the right, but God says that you shall go straight forward, and I shall be with you every step of the way you go. And you would stand here like this. You know, like the guy in Home Alone that has spider come on? Because I'm talking about this booming voice, and you knew it was from the Lord. I'm not talking, I'm not making fun of this guy. This was from the Lord. It would shake every fiber of your being. Somebody says, I don't like that kind of ministry. You're going to hate it in heaven. When you get in heaven, you're going to be like, ah! You'll try to look at the throne. Holy! See? He knows what I'm talking about. He just looks up. So this guy prophesied. This big old six foot six English guy grabs his canteen, puts it in the nasty water and prays over it and says, this will quench my thirst. End of story. That's how it is. Done. I mean, he was just like, you wouldn't like him. He had an attitude. But here's the thing, he's a man of faith. You might not like the guys that have the attitudes, but they're men of faith. Well, I don't like how they came across. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't like your lack of faith. It stinks. Lacks, lack of faith is like two armpits. Everybody's got a couple and they stink. You get what I'm saying? He grabs the canteen, puts it into the, the, the 50 gallon drum, drinks it, quenches his thirst, feels satisfied. The other five young evangelists go, No, I'm waiting until we get back to the hotel where they boil the water. So they walk for another few hours. Now these guys are like parched. They're like, Oh my God, we're going to die, basically. You know, Israel, like they were going through their deliverance, still thinking they were going to die, even though Shamu was swimming by while they had the sea was parted. You'll catch on. Just hold on. Seatbelt? Seatbelt? So, can I get through my story, please? So, he get, he, the other guys, they finally get back to the hotel. Vaughn goes to sleep. The other guys get the boiled water that's now chilled, so they drink this nice, refreshing water. All five of the evangelists got deathly sick the next day. And they all drank the boiled water from the hotel. Vaughn was not sick. That's the man who helped raise me. I have no, like, I have no toleration for lack of faith. Even in my own life, I've had problems myself, and I've... I expect what the word says I can have. If the Bible says the fear of man causes a snare, what do you say we get rid of the fear of man and we get rid of the snare? Come on, somebody. Say amen if you believe that.
okay? Because the fear of man is the thing that holds you back. You know, the world says, oh, just be your better self. You're a rock star. You're this, you're that. Forget that. Go to the word what it says. Do you know that nobody in this room at all has ever seen their own face? You've only seen the reflection of a mirror and what it tells you you look like. Not one of you have seen your own face. You're looking in the wrong mirror. The Bible says look into the mirror of his word and find out who you really are. I was reading this this morning. We just got back home a few days ago from New York. And I was reading this this morning. And this popped in my heart. I was going to do live broadcast. I thought, no, I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to leave it for tonight. I just wanted to do it for tonight. And uh, how many want to go on a journey with me for just a moment to find out who God says we really are? Come on. How many have always wanted to know exactly who am I, Lord? Who have you called me to be? The reason Jesus came was not just to set you free from sin, but to reveal to you that you're a son and a daughter. Jesus is the template of how God sees you, if you will follow his ways. Many people say, I love Jesus. But Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll obey me. If you love me, then you will obey me. In other words, if you truly love me, then do as I say. But a lot of people have a hard time with that. Because they're going to have to face themselves. They're going to have to face some stuff that they've been hiding. They haven't given the Lord every room in their basement of their soul. They think it's too dirty. That's the one he wants. Oh, you think God is ashamed of that? Oh, well, it's just so sinful. Jesus became sin. There's nothing that you've done or said that's too great that the cross doesn't have enough power for. Now, let me say this. Repeated sin is really stupid. Dumb to the second power. I mean, it's like returning to your vomit. I got a scripture for that real quickly. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Come on, just go with me quickly. Hebrews 10, 25. Hebrews 10, 25. It's a really quick scripture. For those of you that just want to stay in your sin and repeat it and go, Jesus will cover me. It'll cover. I'll be covered. I am covered, covered by my own sin. Too late. This is my second time. It's like Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes. Look at this. For those of you that want to continually stay in your sin, let me scare the H-E double hockey sticks out of you. For if we go on willfully and deliberately sinning, this is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. This is what the Apostle Paul says. For if we go on willfully and deliberately sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins. That is no further offering to anticipate, but a kind of awful and terrifying expectation, expectation of divine judgment and the fury of a fire and burning wrath which will consume the adversaries 
those who put themselves in opposition to God, anyone who has ignored and set aside the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Look at verse 29. Take a deep breath. How much greater punishment do you think he will deserve who has rejected and trampled underfoot the Son of God and is considered unclean and common, common, the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and has insulted the Spirit of grace who imparts the unmerited favor and blessing of God? That'll clear up your sinuses. See, Jesus, and I, you, you so beautifully like started tonight. Jesus was not some passive guy. Jesus, if he looked at you, he'd look at you with compassion one moment. Then the next day, he's flipping a table and he's flipping a chair and he's shouting at the top of his lungs, you have made this place a den of thieves. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. The thing is, is that they were considering it as just common. This is just another building. Let's go ahead and set up a marketplace and just talk around and just kind of hang out and just kind of do our thing and just be normal human beings kind of thing. No real honor or reverential respect or towards the glory of God or the reverential fear, which doesn't mean to be terrified. It means the awe and respect and honor for your heavenly father. We live in a day and age right now where everything is becoming commonplace, but there's no power. There's many that walk in, they have so much revelation, but no power. And I'm after seeing what God says in the Bible that I can have. If he says the fear of man causes a snare for me, I want to get rid of the fear of man in my life. I want to get rid of the snare. And I want to get a hold of everything he has for me. And what he says about me will trump, and I do mean trump, anything that the enemy wants to throw at me. Can you say amen? Even Trump would say, that's pretty true. That's pretty true. I was an only child. Now quickly go over to Proverbs chapter 3. And this is what really just jumped in my spirit this morning. Last time I was here, I preached a message called Disciples, Servants, Friends, Family. I'm going to give you in two minutes that whole sermon so I can move to this part. This is part two. If you missed it, you can go online. I think you can even watch it. Jesus called the disciples as his disciples, but he taught them how to be servants. One of the first words in discipleship is the word discipline. People don't like that. I just love, it's the love of God. It's the love. Yes, God loves you. Well, God loves me just the way I am. Yes, he loves you just the way you are, but he will not leave you in that condition if you've truly turned to him. I'll try this church over here. If you have not truly turned to him, you can't call yourself a disciple. The fact that you believe that a man died on the cross is not the only thing. It's following his ways, following his precepts. You know why? Because Jesus even followed God's word. Even Jesus followed what his father told him to do. And he was learning this, by the way. People say he was divine. He was divine. There was nobody more divine. However, remember something. The Bible says that Jesus grew in the stature and the favor of men and with God. 
why would Jesus have to grow in favor with God if he's God? Why would Jesus have to grow in favor with God if he's God? Because he came as a man on this earth just as you came as a human being on this earth and he had to learn the word. People like, you know, I've heard some people say he probably healed a bird when he was 12 years old. Not at on your life. That's heresy. That's Hollywood. He was not doing anything like that until age 30 when the Holy Spirit came upon him and then he was endued with power. And the first thing the Holy Spirit did with him is didn't lead him into this big crusade. It led him into the desert so he could go take the flesh and beat it into the ground. Because the fear of man will cause a snare. And if Jesus really thought in his flesh brain instead of his spirit, he would not have any chance against the enemy. Somebody says, no, he was Jesus. No, he grew his stature and favor with men and with God. Why would you have to grow in stature with God or with men? Because it's showing us that Jesus is the template. He made the way where there was no way. The apostle Paul says that he was the firstborn among many brethren. Listen to me, I'm preaching the gospel here. He was the firstborn among many brethren. There's a song that we used to sing. We haven't sang in a long time. As the deer panteth for. How many remember that song, okay? Guess this next verse, you ready? You're my king and you are, sorry, you're my friend and you are my brother even though you are my king. That was written back in like the 70s, maybe, maybe earlier. See, discipleship is to actually get the attention of all these wayward sheep, which is why Jesus came on the scene and he said, hey guys, follow me. My yoke is easy. And by the way, somebody says, was he really a rabbi? Yeah, he was. What was your first clue? They called him rabbi was my first clue. That was my first clue. <laughs> rabbi, what makes you think he's a rabbi? Well, let me tell you this. How many people could stand behind a lectern and read from the Holy Scrolls of Isaiah with authority? You had to be recognized, and he was. He had to learn everything that he had to learn. He had to obey Jewish law, not to mention the fact that they were bringing all kinds of people to him as if he was a rabbi to judge every situation. They don't just do that to anybody. They would not do that with the average person. So that means he had some kind of authority, yes? Okay, we're almost there. How about over here? Okay, just checking. So I'm trying to show you something. Jesus was qualified and shows up to the unqualified, Peter, James, and John, and says, I qualify you. Did you know every Jewish boy by the age of 10 had memorized the entire five books of the Pentateuch, which is the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? If you quoted a scripture to a Jewish boy and you said, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, they would quote the entire chapter and then go, would you like the next chapter by memory? I'm talking about a 10-year-old. And they were trained by their rabbis. And all of a sudden, 
Guess what happened to all these boys? They were all disqualified. They're never going to learn how to be in ministry. They're going to be disqualified, and they're going to have to go learn a family trade. So all these Jewish boys are sitting there disqualified. I'm nothing but a fisherman. I'm a low life. This is as good as it gets. The Roman government is taxing me 92% of my money. The church is taxing me 10%. That means I got 2% to live on. Yeah, I mean, no, it's less than that. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. But it was very high. And all of a sudden, this qualified dude shows up named Jesus and goes, hey, guys, my yoke is easy. I'm not going to load up you with burdens like these guys. I qualify you. And they're excited. They leave the boats. Whoa, we're accepted. We're accepted. He goes, now, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to accept our next runner-up for the discipleship school. And who is that? Number four. Does anybody know who the fourth disciple was? Wow. It's very nice in this Presbyterian church tonight. It's Matthew. Does anybody know what his occupation was? He was a tax collector. Where do you think Matthew's tax collecting booth probably was? Right there, tax collecting from Peter, James, and John. And Jesus goes, let me tell you how this kingdom thing works. He's going to be like you. And you're going to accept him because I just accepted you. And they're like, wait a second. The audacity. Are you still living? God is showing through Christ how this whole thing works. Disciples have got to learn to become servants. But then Jesus does something after they start showing what they're doing. He turns to them and says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends. That's in John chapter 15. He says, "Where well, you don't know what the master's doing. Now I'm going to let you in on some things. Like one time he said some crazy stuff. Jesus said some crazy stuff. He walked in one time. He's like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you'll have nothing to do with me. You know in 2021 people are like, uh, cult. Because they don't speak Christian language. But do you know that Jesus' own disciples got up and walked out because of what Jesus said? And then he turned to Peter. Hey, Peter, you going to leave too? He goes, <laughs> we're with you. You have the word in your mouth. You are who you say you are. There's nowhere else we want to go. It's you. Thank goodness for Mr. Foot and Mouth Disease. Because this guy, every time he would say something, he would get rebuked. I so relate with Peter. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, there's hope for all of us. <laughs> you know, Ephesians chapter 2 says, we are his workmanship. Turn to your neighbor right now and go, you're a piece of work. <laughs> but you know what? He took them from disciples, made them servants, and then he says, I now call you my friends. Where I'm going to let you in on what I'm doing. One time the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, why are you talking to the people in parables? I love Jesus' answer. He goes, duh, because I don't want them to know what I'm saying. <laughs> How did you not get that? You can see the disciples going, I, what do I do with my hands? My hands. Uh. 
So everybody say disciples, servants, friends. Now watch this. This is what most Pentecostals miss. John chapter 20, verse 17 through 26. See, a lot of us have the spirit, but we don't have the word. Pentecostals are awesome at, in the spirit I can fly, but if I go in a valley, I'll probably die. You know why you're laughing? Because you relate. Come on, you need the word, man. When that storm comes along, you need something to hold you steady. That was a hurricane force too. That's three. Some of you'd be like, four comes, you're like, I'm out! Jesus, help me! Come on, everybody say, the word will keep me. I shall be planted by the water, and I will not be moved. See, Jesus was trying to teach these guys this. They were freaking out. They were freaking out. They're being chased by everybody. They're standing with this guy that does crazy stuff. And he did do crazy stuff. Come on, he did crazy stuff. He spit in the guy's eye one time. Here, guys, this is how we're going to minister to this guy. (laughs) I want you to learn this now. Drink a lot of goat milk before you minister to blind people. need some dirt with that. That was a little runny. That was runny. (sighs) All right, now we're going to mix it around. Now, by the way, if you're getting offended at this little analogy right now, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I don't care. Can you imagine the disciples watching Jesus hock a loogie as a way of healing a blind man? I mean, here's the disciples writing stuff. Okay, okay, what are we doing now? We're, we're praying for, for who? Blind people? Okay, blind people. Here we go. I don't know how to write that. He spat. The religious Pharisees are like, we never have ever done that in our life. The disciples are like, "Uh, us neither, I'll be honest. But you know what happened? The guy could see. So it doesn't matter what Jesus does. He gets results. He gets results. Then he tells the guy to wash his eyes out. The guy's like, Lord, I don't even need the word. I was already heading toward the water. (laughs) 
You know, you should be so tenacious after results that it does not matter what you look like to man. If Jesus didn't care what he looked like to man, why do anybody care what you look like to anybody? Well, my reputation, and I've got me, and I got this, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm this. And Who cares? Nobody's even looking at you. Well, the devil's after me. No, he's not. It's a stick demon. He's blind in both eyes. He, he's crippled, and he, he can't go any. He goes by the name of Lucky. You think you're that special, you get the devil. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. And by the way, if you could really see who the devil really is, you would understand how defeated this foe actually truly is. Jesus went through the desert for 40 days, just like Israel went through the desert for 40 years. They got their brains beat out, but Jesus overcame it in 40 days, what took them 40 years. Get ready for acceleration in 2022, let me tell you. But it has to be according to your faith. You have to believe what you understand God has already spoken to you. You're not just a disciple. You're not just a servant. You're not just a friend. In John chapter 20, verse 17 through 28, all of a sudden when Jesus comes out of the tomb and Mary goes to see where is he, she doesn't even recognize him. He looks like a gardener. That's a whole nother revelation. But when he says her name, she knows that voice because the voice of the shepherd she follows the voice of the stranger, she does not follow that voice any longer because she was forgiven a long time ago. And when he speaks and says something, her attention is immediately drawn to him. <gasps> it's you. And what does he say? Pay attention to what he says. He says, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. This is another totally different verse now that we could just spend hours on. But I don't have that kind of time. I've only got a few hours with you tonight. <laughs> he says, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren. First time Jesus ever refers to the disciples, not his disciples, not his servants, not his friends, but brothers. Can I tell you in the Middle East, that is humongous to use a family term. Americans don't understand that. It's very, very blood's thicker than water kind of statement. Go to my brothers. Jesus says, go Mary to my brothers and tell them that my God is your God and that my father is your father. Did anybody catch that? All right, I'll be right back. Did anybody catch that over here? Go to my brothers and tell them that my God is your God and my Father is your Father. No longer disciples, servants, or even friends. We are family. If you have truly walked with Jesus, and it looks like they walked with him for about three and a half years, scholars believe. 
You become family. It's not just go out and win the lost. It's know who you are, and it's not doing work so that you can win something. It's actually because you recognize who you truly are, who Jesus truly is, who the Father is, and who burns within your soul, the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you don't have to try to win people to Jesus. You'll just start talking to them because it's who you are. It's not trying to become something. It's who you already are. So, okay, I digress. So this morning I wake up and the Lord puts Proverbs chapter 3 in my heart. And I start reading the word. I'm reading Proverbs chapter 3. Let's go there now. Proverbs chapter 3. As I'm reading this, I have like, and I don't have visions very much. I don't have all this. Some people are like, I had a vision yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I can't see it. I started seeing this in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. Look at the first words, my son. Do you understand that Jesus, as he was growing up, he would have been reading from the holy scrolls of Isaiah and Proverbs and Psalms and every single book in the Pentateuch? The five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He would have read all of that. And as he's reading, he's not just discovering, he's hearing his father speak to him. Somebody says, oh, come on, Roy, that was written by Solomon. It was to his son David, but it's the spirit of God that rests inside of the man that's speaking. These men lived before, but now Jesus, and I want you to re re rewind for a second and go to where Jesus is now reading these scriptures, and he's not just learning of who he is, he's starting to receive instruction of what he's really here for. Can you imagine Jesus reading this and he's hearing this from his own heavenly father? My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. That's his heavenly father speaking to him. I just saw it. I just saw Jesus reading the scriptures. And all of a sudden, as I'm reading this, the Lord spoke this to me this morning. He goes, and now I'm speaking to you. Jesus lived to die, and then he died to live, and then he ascended to give, I'm not trying to rhyme, and he gave the Holy Spirit, and now we have him living inside of us. Now we are the ones that are alive in his history book right now, because history is his story, and we are living, walking epistles. We're in the metaverse. It's multiverse. No, it's just a verse. It's just a verse. And the Lord spoke that so clearly to me this morning. He goes, now I'm speaking to you. He's speaking to you. Now imagine Jesus reading this. Go real quickly over to, uh, where, would I, where did I see it today? I'm going to find, oh, here we go. Watch this. Look at verse 25 of chapter 3. Now, I want you to imagine this. Imagine Jesus reading these scriptures, having a conversation with God, and the Lord is speaking to him for what he's about to do. And this is for a few people in here tonight. Wake up! Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3. Look at this, verse 25. 
Do not, no, I'm sorry, go to verse, uh, we'll go to verse 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Watch this. This is Jesus reading this now, remember. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the storm of the wicked when it comes, since you will be blameless. For the Lord will be your confidence, firm and strong, and will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Do you realize he read that as probably a teenager? And it was preparing him for when he was on the boat with the disciples and the storm came along and he just went to sleep because he already read it. He read it. Where does your confidence come from? It comes from the Lord. Yes, it comes from the Lord, but you know how it comes? Through his word. That's why a lot of people go out with all this kind of gusto that they're going to fight the wicked one and they have no idea what they're about to face because you have to have ammunition. All I have is the spirit, that's all I need. No, I've met a lot of people that just have spirit and they crash and burn very quickly. They're quick out the gate. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Ten years later, leave me alone. I go, dude, what happened to you? What happened to you? Did a storm come along and shake you? Did you forget what the word says? That's why it really, honestly, just to speak really openly, it's why it really, really bothered me these last 18 months with ministers, and I'm not speaking of anybody here on the front or anything, but ministers that actually said, that they had absolute faith that God could heal anybody, and all of a sudden, a little thing comes along, and people go, well, I guess Psalms 91 doesn't work for this one. Are you kidding me? You know what happened to me last year? Actually, in 2018. I'm in Southampton, England. My son and I went on the seven-country hop. We went on a cruise ship. We ministered to people all over the place and <sighs> suffering for the Lord. <laughs> I was ministering to the little ice cream cones. <laughs> I was praying for the salmon. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Multiply it. And I went, into, I went into a dream, and I, I went to sleep, and I started to have a dream. I don't have many dreams. I don't have many visions. I've never seen Jesus. I've never seen an angel. I don't need to. Jesus reveals himself to me on a daily basis by his spirit through his word. Some people need to see Jesus. I just don't always believe when people say they've seen Jesus. I just don't. They don't look like they've seen Jesus. They just don't. They talk, to, they talk about him like he's just sitting down having a cup of coffee with them. Yet everybody in the Bible that fell before Jesus or an angel fell as dead. I just don't, I don't, I don't really believe him. You know, I understand that there's a human aspect and stuff, but I just, you know, I just don't believe some people. I want to see it in their eyes. They should be weeping. I mean, I should be weeping as you're telling me the story of how you saw Jesus. And I just don't see it. So anyway, don't get caught up on that. I'll stay there. I'll do it for you. So I go into this dream. In the dream, I see, this is 2018 now. And I didn't go on Facebook and make a big deal about it. I just told my wife. 
I have a dream in 2018 in July, the summer of July 2018, and I see President Trump shutting down at that time the northern border and the southern border of America. I saw the wall going up, but the wall was going up to close everybody in, not to keep people out. That's what I saw. That's the way the dream came across. Then I, the, the scene changed, and all of a sudden, there were like millions, and I do mean millions, of drones weaponized, like with full-on weaponry on top of them that were hovering over. Oh, it, it at least led me to believe that they were hovering over the top of every house, holding people at bay. And like if you shot one, they would just fly another one there, and you just run out of bullets. They just keep flying them. Like as if Amazon is just multi, multi, multi sending them and building them. Have you seen the, I have a drone. I just got one recently. This thing's amazing. It's like $1,300. It goes like this, 35 miles per hour. It goes like this. Now it's like you hook up your phone and everything. I thought if we have this technology now, God knows what they have. If we have, we're like, oh, look at my new road drone. Yeah, yeah look at the spaceship that just pulled up behind you. MIB is going to show up. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't see nothing. You saw nothing. Okay. It's not working. Need a new one. So I see these drones over everybody's houses. Then the scene changes again. And I'm aware that I'm in, the U- I'm in the UK, I'm in the dream, and I'm in the UK, but all of a sudden there's this feeling that I cannot get back to my wife and my daughter because I'm with my son, just me and my son. And the enemy was like, I don't know, he was just doing some crazy stuff in that dream, and I was just trying to fight it and everything, and I woke up in sweat and tears, and I went, what was that all about? It was so real to me, I called my wife and I said, honey, I need you and my daughter on a plane like now and come over and meet me in England I got a week of meetings left here. Please come now. She's like, I'm pulling weeds in the front yard right now. Are you okay? Honey, I've never been okay. Would you please get a plane? (laughs) Please get a flight and get here as quick as possible and bring joy with you. I want my daughter and my wife here. Please quickly now. Thank you. She does it. She gets on the plane. She flies out. I have no evidence to back up my dream. I have nothing to stand on. I just say, I had a dream. This is what I saw. Don't know what to do with it. Well, I guess we'll just keep on doing meetings. And I have nothing to back it up. But I am so convinced that that dream is from the Lord. And then, March of last year, 2020, on the 17th, I was with Pastor Rodney the night before. He had that vision of the fire coming in. That was two hours prior before I was with him. Sorry, it was two hours after I was with him in Merritt Island. And we were up in a room by ourselves talking about it might be a lockdown. But I had already seen the thing closing in, so I was trying to figure this out. And now it's starting to happen in reality. So now I'm like, whoa, I really saw something. And then President Trump at that time, if you remember, he came out at 9.07 p.m. And at 9.07 p.m., here's what he said. I'm shutting down all travel from Europe into USA. And I looked at my wife and I smiled. I did not have any, in fact, there was no fear whatsoever. In fact, I felt happy. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus told the disciples, I'm telling you these things now so that when they come, you'll know I'm with you because I told you before it happened. I sat there and smiled. Now you got to hear this. This is a testimony. 
I smiled at my wife and I said, the dream. I, I knew it. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Woo! How many know I like made brownies that night and ate sushi and just, <laughs> woo! I can hear the Lord. I can hear the Lord. I look strange, but I can hear the Lord. I can hear the Lord. You know, there's some crazy characters in the Bible. John the Baptist is one that comes to mind. He's the son of Zechariah, a priest in the temple. He should be wearing like their, their garb and everything, you know, and be like a priest like his daddy, but he's not. He's out in the middle of a wilderness in camel hair with a locust half cut in half out of his mouth with like oil coming down his beard with one message, repent! Hey, John, you want to get some lunch? Repent! John, you got locusts right there. It's hanging out. Repent! People would avoid that guy. Except people who can hear with the ears of the Spirit of God. Because there's one in the wilderness, one voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. You can tell a fake. You can tell when somebody doesn't believe what they say they believe. Just look in their eyes. You'll find out what they're made of. You'll find out what they actually believe. Have they been in the word? Have they allowed the Father to correct them? Have they been disciplined by the Lord? Somebody says, well, I just want the love of Jesus. I just want the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. Love of Jesus. He's my Jesus. A true father doesn't just love you, he corrects you. You can read Hebrews chapter 12 in your spare time if you'd like to. It's all there. He does that to sons and daughters whom he loves. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19. In the Amplified it says, I only tell the faults to those who I dearly and tenderly love. What did he tell the disciples? He started pointing out a lot of their faults even though he brought them in in the beginning. He started, once they turned, then he started working on them, transforming them from the inside out. Peter's like, how many times should we forgive? Like seven times, right? Because that was like a Hebrew tradition. And Jesus is like, <laughs> do you know multiplication? Do you know how to multiply? Seven times 70. And how many know God is perfect in his word? He doesn't miss one jot or tittle. Come on. All right, there's no response from that. Let me try this church over here. How many know that he is always absolutely perfect in his word? He doesn't miss one jot or tittle. Why do you think he said seven times 70? See, to a Jewish mindset, when they're listening to Jesus talk, the Jewish mindset was we just forgive seven times a day, right? That's kind of our thing. And they're trying to make it transactional. Jesus is not transactional. He's relational. Come on, everybody say Jesus is not transactional. He's relational. But if you have relationship with Jesus, there's going to be some transactions that are going to take place. You with me? Okay. So to a Jewish mindset... Seven, right? Just If I do seven, if I just do the bare minimum, I'm okay, right? He's like, you're missing this point. I tell you what, seven times 70. You know what's interesting about that? In the book of Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, most scholars believe 
that there was 490 years of complete silence from God. There was no preacher that got up and preached a sermon. There was no prophetic word. There was no song written. There was no psalmist. There was nothing for 490 years. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus was saying to Peter, hey, Peter, for 490 years, I said nothing about what you did to me. Why don't you keep your mouth shut about your brother? For 490 years, there was complete silence from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and then he has come. See, the Old Testament was transactional. The New Testament was relational. God showed up in the flesh and says, you know what, you guys weren't getting this in the beginning. I'll just come myself. Now, that was always the plan, by the way. I'll just come myself, and I'll do this, and I'll show you how this works. I know you're angry. I know there's injustice going on. Here's how we're going to do it. This is how we are in heaven. We forgive those. Be slow to anger. How many are not very good at that like me? We're still learning. Okay, the rest of you are lying. Some of you are like, no, I've got that thing aced. Jesus forgave because he's teaching us how to forgive. And these disciples are learning through discipline. I mean, and we get it wrong. But I mean, Peter walks up one day. He's up on the Mount Transfiguration. There's Jesus illuminated. And there's Moses and there's Elijah. And I'm thinking, how did they know those were Moses and Elijah? They have Facebook back then? But apparently there was Moses and Elijah. And, you know, Peter comes up there and he says something very spiritual. This is awesome! I can see it. Maybe in a Hebrew way. I don't know what that means. It was Aramaic. Sorry, I messed up. He looked, he's like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Look at, I mean, you would freak out. If you saw Jesus who you're just walking with and having like some fish, and all of a sudden he's like this glowing figure, and then there's Moses and Elijah, and the glory of God is there. You'd be like, hey, what's up, guys? That's cool, man. What's that, like a backdrop or something? Or You wouldn't be like that. Peter was freaking out. This is awesome. You know what we should do? I've got a great flesh carnal idea. We should build three tabernacles like the days of old and do it over again. I could see Jesus going, oh, myself. Peter, could you go down to the hill, please? Father, I apologize. How long must I be with this generation? Do you know Jesus said that? Yeah, but he didn't say it like that, Roy. Oh, you know. How many times did he get frustrated? How long must I tarry? He said that several times. How long must I tarry with you? Here's what I'm trying to get at. The fear of man brings a snare. The flesh of man is the snare. Flesh is the snare. You can do nothing apart from Jesus. Read John chapter 15. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
You can do nothing apart from me. Jesus, and I'm wrapping this thing up into a nice big old box here because this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I am just like you and I learned to overcome. Follow me and I'll show you how you can overcome. By the way, if you go into Revelation chapter 3 and you move on down the chapter, you know what Jesus says? Read it. Let's go to there. Revelation chapter 3. We'll come back to Proverbs 3 in just a moment. There's a lot of threes in this sermon. That must mean something. I'm going to find it. There's a lot of threes. I'll write that down. It means something. Look at verse 21. He who overcomes the world through believing. I've got the amplified, so if it's a little louder, I apologize. I'm stealing that. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Look at what he said. This is Jesus now. I will grant to him the privilege to sit beside me on my throne. Now listen to this. As I also overcame and sat down beside my father on his throne. You read Proverbs. It's not just Solomon speaking to his sons. It's the Spirit of God speaking to Jesus. And then once you see it through that filter, now it becomes God, your heavenly Father, speaking it to you directly. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. God has given us the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Now watch this. This might mess with a few people. What was the last thing Jesus said on the cross? Huh? He did not say that. Read your Bible. This is why I have to come and say this. That is not the last thing Jesus said. He didn't, the last thing he said did not say it is finished. He said, Father... Oh, you see, now you're here. Hi. Welcome back. <laughs> Father, into your hands, I commit. Listen closely. Try not to go ahead of me. Father, into your hands, I commit. Whose spirit? Jesus was saying, my spirit. Read the text. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last breath. And he died. You know what God said? I know exactly what I'm going to do with your spirit. I'm going to pour it out on all flesh who will receive it. Maybe you've never heard it like that before. Because I never did either. till a year ago. And it wasn't through some preacher. It was my buddy and I in my garage building some six gauge wire. And I was just going over the scripture just as Jesus would have gone over scripture in his spirit and his heart. And I'm so in love with God and I'm just fellowshipping with another man and I'm just talking to him. And all of a sudden I saw Jesus on the cross going, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And I was like, Terry, God, you know what God did with his spirit? 
Because, and I had to back it up. You have to back it up biblically. You can't just create some doctrine or something. You can't just, because you had a thought. You got to back it up. You got to have some word. People are like, make all kinds of stuff, you know? Crazy stuff. Threes. Look into it. It's important. I'm not saying they're not important. They're just not important right now. He said three, three times. It's 3.30. There are three glasses of water I'm going to drink tonight. Three times I had to go to the bathroom. Sometimes that's the only contribution people make to the church. Anyway, so Jesus is on the cross, and he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. God says, I know exactly what I'm going to do with that. Joel 2.28, in the last day says, God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You can back that up with Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, where the Apostle Paul says, God has given us, there it is right there, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, God has given us the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Go down to the rest of that chapter at the very end. It's still in context. He was talking about how he was a bit disturbed with these couple people that he was talking to. And he goes, I, am, I, I need to speak to you until Christ is fully formed in you. You ever seen the process of silver or gold? In the old days, and they still do it somewhat the same, and now they have like technology and stuff, but in the old days, a goldsmith or a silversmith would take the raw resource of gold and silver and put it into a vat, like a lead vat, and then put it over a very hot fire that's well over like 1,000 degrees, well over. They'd turn the heat up. And all the impurities would come off of that. And you've heard this story before, but some of you have not heard this. And then all the impurities would come up. And the guy has to stand and watch it the whole time. Why? Because if he goes too much to the left or to the right or the heat gets too intense, you could ruin the metal or the gold inside. Sometimes, that's why you don't ever get pure gold. It's very hard to get pure gold. Very hard. It's always 99.9999999. They can't get that 1%. There's metal inside. Like if you have a bracelet, they usually do 14 karat. Because if you did like 24 karat, if you kept pulling on it just a little slightly, it would just pull right off. Because it's malleable. So you have to add a little metal to it. But when this gold goes into a vat, into the fire, the silversmith or the goldsmith will watch over that thing. And there was a story about a lady who was asking this question. Do you have to watch it the whole time? He goes, oh yes, very important. I have to watch it the whole time. Why do you have to watch it the whole time? Because when the impurities come up, I have to take them off immediately so they don't amalgam with the gold and mix with the gold. Because they could go back down and then if I don't grab it immediately, they'll go back down, then come back up, go back down, come back up. So I have to immediately remove it. And she goes, well, then how do you know when it's done? He goes, that's very simple. When I see my reflection in it. See, the Apostle Paul learned something. When he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, he didn't just see him with his eyes, he saw him with his heart. He realized at that moment that was the Messiah that we killed. It's him. 
It's you. And then Jesus speaks and he hears his voice and says, how long will you kick against the goads, Saul? Something got revealed in his heart and it just mortified him because he realized he thought he was serving the right God. It turned out to be the wrong God. It turned out to be the God of this world. But see, he loved him with all of his heart. He did it wrong, but God loved him back because he knew his heart. You know, Jesus said many things. One of the things he said is that we are earthen vessels with this treasure inside. So he bought the entire field with all the treasure hidden inside. He sold all he had to buy the entire field. Why? Because he saw the treasure inside of the earthen vessel. What? Oh, what a great time. Okay, it's gone. Clear? Come back. I totally lost where I was going. Kids can do that to me. Where was I? Earthen vessel. Thank you. Earthen vessel with treasure inside. When he sold all he had to buy up us, he found us. He saw we were lost and he found us and he wanted to tell us who we really are. The enemy's been lying to you your entire life to tell you who you're not. And especially in religion, to try to make you into this kind of morphed kind of thing. But I'll tell you something else that's happening right now, even in 2020, 2021. Now there's such a repellent from religion that people are starting to use the things of God that are holy as commonplace. And there's no respect or honor for the things of God. So how can you expect anything to happen if there isn't a true honoring of what the Lord has done? You understand where I'm going with this? There's almost like a blasé kind of way of doing things. I see it all over the place. We've traveled to 42 countries now. And it's just like, it just has this kind of, well, you know, God's just, he's just like this. No, there's holy things of God. There's very holy things of God. But the beautiful thing to me is, is the fact that when that goldsmith and silversmith says that, that I know when it's done, when I can see my reflection in it, that is exactly what Jesus is waiting for us. When he has been fully formed inside of us, that's what every day is like. When we start reading the scriptures, I don't think you should read the scriptures anymore like this is just Solomon speaking to David. I think you should read the entire Bible like it's speaking directly to you. As if Jesus is inside of you behind your cow eyes looking at the words on the book. Now you're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But he lives inside of me. Does he live inside of you? He gave us the spirit of his son into our hearts that cries out, Abba, Father. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. It talks about how he says, listen to wisdom. Look at verse 2 of Proverbs chapter 3. For length of days and years of life worth living in tranquility and prosperity. The wholeness of life's blessings, they will add to you. Do not let mercy and kindness and truth leave you. Instead, let these qualities define you. Bind them securely around your neck. 
Write them on the tablet of your heart. I'm just, I, I, is anybody following this like I'm saying this? As if Jesus is reading this and you're sitting there with Jesus. You know, the Bible is the only book where the author sits down with you as you read it. Is anybody getting that, what I'm saying? Can you imagine with me as Jesus is reading this, you're sitting with Jesus reading this even now? Because he lives on the inside of you. And I can just see, I can see that he's, he's being talked to by his father, getting him prepared for what he's walking into. It's the same for you in your life. That's why he wants you in the word. Yes, be in his presence. Guys, nobody's led worship more than I probably have around the world that I know of in the circles that I go in. Nobody has spent more times in meetings in the last 40 years than I have. I've been in so many meetings, I don't know, I don't even, what year is it? And I've been in the presence and I've been in the spirit. But you know what I lacked in my Pentecostal life? The word. I was talking to Kelly Copeland. You know who Kelly Copeland is? Kenneth Copeland's daughter. She got touched by the song in the presence of angels. How about that? She called me up. She's like, man, this really touched me. You know what she told me? I can say this because it's a testimony today. She said, Roy, she says, I'll be honest with you. I never saw any value in worship at all. It was always the word. She says, now I'm getting caught up in the spirit. I said, Kelly, I've always been caught up in worship and I've read the word. But I said, you know what? I have such a hunger for the word today. I can't even tell you. How many have a hunger for the word of God? Like literally a hunger for the word of God. Bury yourself in this. You're his family. How many have given your life to Jesus? You've been become born again. Born again is not just leaving a sinful life. Born again is being born again. The Bible refers to us as new creations. We are a species that's never, ever walked the face of this earth before. We are sitting right now, even in the same condition as we think is terrible or whatever, or some things that we don't like. In 2021, we are sitting here today that they were jealous of our position here right now in the future. They were jealous of your position in the future. You have everything done for us. Jesus has come, he's died on the cross, he's rose from the dead. He sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. We have everything we need. We have revelation, we have power, we have the gifts, we have testimonies. We've overcome some things. We have, the, we have atmospheres. They didn't have atmospheres, some of these people. They had like Gregorian chants. Oh, the Lord is good and he's here today, I think. We have atmospheres. We're spoiled rotten. But if you begin to read the scripture, it's God speaking directly to you. His word will keep you. His word will wash you. It'll get rid of your stinking thinking. You'll get a checkup from the neck up. How many need a checkup from the neck up every once in a while? Come on, tell me the truth. I need a checkup from the neck up. Look at this real quickly, okay? Look at verse 5. 
Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Don't come up with your own doctrines. Dude, you're so biblically based. I mean, the spirit, it's evident. You guys are biblically based. When you spoke tonight, I just thought, man, we're right tracking. You're reading out of Proverbs chapter 11. I looked at my eyes and said, I'm already there. I didn't know that. We're tracking. The 11 means something. Look at verse 6. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your paths straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. I'm telling you, look at me real quickly. You can walk in this very word right now as I'm telling you. You can actually walk in this. There is nothing too great. There's nothing too large that you cannot obtain. Guys, I'm doing this live broadcast about... I don't know, 60 days ago. Yeah, about 60 days ago. 60 means something. <laughs> Chill out on the numbers. I'm walking down the sidewalk in my tank top. I'm a little thickles on the pickles. But I'm not fat. I'm pregnant with the word. Anyways, I'm walking down the sidewalk. As I'm walking down the sidewalk, I see... A Class A Fleetwood Excursion motor coach that we used to drive back in 2010 and 2013. I've been on this like journey for the last six years. I came back from Brazil in 2016. 40,000 people in a stadium. We saw the Lord move powerfully. They gave me a large honorary. Flew me first class. I came back home. People don't even know most of our story. If you want to see, you can go online and just read some of the stuff. It's fine. I don't have time tonight. But we, we came back, and, and the Lord began to take me on this journey. and was led by the Holy Spirit. But I didn't realize I was getting the, the junk beat out of my mind. The Lord was, like, crucifying some things in my heart that I thought I had dealt with, but I hadn't dealt with. That's not code for, oh, he did something really bad. No. It means that there's things and ways that I thought that were not right and I was acting like they were. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. And so as that process started going, things were being revealed to me. And I was like, Lord, what are you doing with me? And he's like, what are you doing with me? You're getting caught up with the ministry. And we're losing on the intimacy part over here. You used to just sit down at the piano and just sing every day. I think a lot of people think I do that. He must wake up. I mean, people say that for years. He must. <laughs> you should hear some of the phone calls we've had over the years. Your husband must just sit down in front of Jesus and just worship him every morning. My wife's like, yes. <laughs> to protect me. You don't want to see me in the morning. I'll be honest. But I'm walking down the sidewalk and I see this bus and I go, I go like this. I go, Lord, I'd really like that bus. Now, why, why would I want that bus? Because everything I have, we use for the kingdom. I don't just say that lightly. Oh, no, come on. You're like, you're, 
No, everything I have, we use for the kingdom. It's been like that for almost 17 years now. We've lived by faith. No guaranteed paycheck, no security. Live completely by faith. And I said out of my mouth, after I've been reading and getting revelation like that, like God speaking directly to me, I see something. I don't have the money in my bank account at the time for that. But I actually do have money in my bank account in heaven. And when you scatter seed as you so wonderfully put it, you can make a withdrawal. And I said to the Lord, and I'm not making this up, I said to the Lord, I'd really like that bus. I heard this immediately. You can have that. I said, okay. So I acted like I had it. I acted like I owned it. Yeah, I got right on the guy's drive. I said, give me your keys. I'm taking it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just decided we're buying this. I didn't have any money. I had nothing to back it up. I put a little tiny video together, and it was with me in my tank top. I didn't dress up like some kind of Christian, and you probably saw it, right? Yeah, I wasn't like, hi, the Lord has really called us to have this half a million dollar bus, and I hope you'll help us get it. We really need it. Oh, I need a shower before I go into that meeting. I didn't do that. I just said, hey, man. My wife and I took our kids on the road. We had a bus just like this. We, we really feel like we need to have this bus. And I said, I, I'm going to get it anyway. If you'd like to partner with us, it'd be great. In one day, half the money came in. Five days later, the entire amount came in. Ooh, I'll tell you some more. And then eight days later, Puff the Magic Dragon showed up. No, I just thought, it's just funny because you guys are like, wow. I was waiting for that. No, that's what happened. We believe God. I just believed it. I believed it like I was a son. This is what I'm trying to tell you. I believed it like I was a son. I acted like I could actually talk that way to my father. I actually believe that. You believe that? I believe it with every ounce within me. And I've got the result. Do you know it's the first time we've done revival meetings where I sat in a plus plus situation. We had no bills. A worship leader walked up to me and, and this all happened just the last 50 days. A worship leader walked up to me and my wife and just gave us his car. He goes, here, you use it for the entire time you're here in New York State. I'm like, are you kidding? It's a nice car too. It's like a hybrid. Shuts down when you're at a stoplight. Doesn't really go. I was like, is this electric or gas? Or is it gas or electric? What is it? Not really sure. You never want to get in this thing if somebody's chasing you because it doesn't start up for like two minutes. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I got in this car. I'm like, okay, let's go. All right. <laughs> Okay, I guess we're going now. Please, could you hold on, Robert? Please don't kill me. Let me get in my getaway car. It's going to be 30 seconds. Give me a second. So this guy walks up, gives us a, gives us a car. Then people bring, I'm not making this up. They bring us, what do you call those things? Tins? Yeah, just sure, honey, whatever you <laughs> Tins? Is it Tins? Disposable pans, like, you know, the big, huge pans you use for, like, big, huge food things, whatever. They come up and they give us, and, and I'm trying to lose weight. 
There, have some meatballs and pasta. You're in New York now, okay? Hey, the Lord's providing for you. I'm like, okay, thank you. Then salmon comes, and the guy brings you I mean, we had everything provided for the entire time of the revival meetings. And we went up into a state, New York State, where everybody said, this is really hard ground, Roy. It's really hard ground. I go, good. Let it be even harder. Because we're in a hard situation where we shouldn't have that bus right now, but I have it, and we're here, and nobody can tell us to do anything. We can just pull up with a complete sound system and preach the gospel wherever we want to. Listen to this. We have onboard generators. I have two 12,000-watt generators. I have two 20-foot screens. I have full-on JBL sound system with full-on subs and everything. We can pull up. Nobody could say a word to us, and we can just preach the gospel. No problem. And I could take a shower before I preach it so I smell good. Come on, everybody say, I am a child of God. I can have whatever the Lord says I can have. Let's finish this and wrap this thing up, okay? Look at verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord with reverent awe and obedience and turn entirely away from evil. It will be health. It will be health to your body, your marrow, your nerves, your sinews, your muscles, all your inner parts, and refreshment, physical well-being to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. I tell you, we have had, we have had in the last 18 months probably the greatest increase in our ministry I've probably seen in the last 12 years. In the middle of a scamdemic, sorry, plandemic. I mean, the greatest increase. When you start listening to the voice of God for your life, He will have you do things that don't make sense to anybody else. I'm so excited about this church because I was here a year ago and I have seen this place grow. I've seen Dominic and his wife Jackie grow and the leadership and the people. And it's just awesome because God is doing something powerful in Palm Harbor. You know, I wish he'd do something with the traffic, but here's, here's the deal. Things will come. Things will come. <laughs> it took us like two and a half, almost three hours to get from Orlando to here. And I'm in like this tall 13 and a half foot, you know, almost 14 foot bus. <laughs> Little ants, you know. My, my daughter sat in the front seat with me. She goes, Dad, she goes, you just feel like these are all ants, don't you? I go, yes. <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing here because there's growth. There's growth, there's pruning. Pruning is what you reward with, with growth. How does God do it? He rewards growth with pruning. Why? So you can bear more fruit. Well, I'm just happy with this over here. I'm not happy with just this. I've seen too much. I, you know, what happens is you just get more zeros and you just believe God for bigger things. But it's all the same. It's just believing God for things. And I'm telling you, that was a true miracle what you saw with the bus. It's a great testimony for us because I believed it. I actually believed I owned it. In my heart. I believe Jesus said, you can ask anything in my name. But why don't people read that? 
Anything you ask in my name should be given unto you. Somebody goes, anything? Yeah, the Lord didn't say just this or that. He goes, anything you ask in my name. Now, here's the deal. If you're serving God and you're doing the will of the Father, you're part of the family. And by the way, the family doesn't fear man. It fears God. But the fear of God is a reverential honor and respect for our Heavenly Father. You can bring it into your reality because you believe it. Somebody says, oh, come on. You're just talking that prosperity thing. You want me to talk about the poverty thing? People are like, well, Jesus became a man of poverty. He did so you could be rich. Yeah, but it's only rich in faith. Well, then why were they casting lots for Jesus' garments? Why did they make Jesus to be so poor and passive? It's, not, it's totally the opposite. In fact, I believe the enemy has painted Jesus that way so that you never get to get a hold of your inheritance from heaven where you could actually access heaven now on earth to have exactly what you need to accomplish what you're called to do. He's lying to you. We're in the middle of a scam, plan, whatever you want to call it, and we're the most blessed we've ever been. It's like, it's like the word says, we sit at the table and feast and dine with Jesus in the presence of our enemies. I mean, our enemies get jealous, they get angry, they get nervous, they get mad. Why are you don't, you, don't you care about anybody? I do, I love everybody, and I really love what he's put before me. Well, you should do that, you know, not so proudly. Are you kidding me? Joseph wore a coat of many colors. Why would you hide what God gives you? The fear of man causes a snare. But those who trust in the Lord are safe. Jesus read those scriptures. He knew when he was going to sleep on that boat, he was safe. Why? Because the enemy has nothing in him. He's not practicing sin. He's not getting caught up with man. He's not scared of anybody. He knows his father and he only wants to do the will of his father. I tell you, you get before a man who fears God, you will not be able to get him off the path. And you better get out of his path because he's only walking the Lord. And if you're in the way, he's going to go right past you. You have to go to God and go, Lord... I only want to do your will, not my will. And that empowers you to ask God, Lord, I want a bus. I want a bus. Well, why do you have to have a... Somebody said to me, somebody wrote this. You've seen my haters, right? They're fun. They're actually fun. It's fun. It's kind of fun. I almost want to do like the Jimmy Kimmel mean tweet thing. That would be fun for me. But <laughs> this one person said, why don't you spend $60,000 on a van? So I found a Volkswagen van that was worth $60,000 and I sent the picture of it. I go, you mean like this? And then they didn't respond. <laughs> we, we got a $210,000 bus for $60,000, paid for in full. With 72,000 miles on it, four slide outs, not two, four slide outs with 650 hours on the generator. 350 horsepower diesel Cummins engine pusher. It pulled my 20-foot trailer like I was pulling a cracker up the hill. It was nothing. I'm telling you, it was nothing. 
And I'm just sitting there. I wept. I, we, we landed in New York. I laid in my bed with my wife, and I just sat there and wept. I said, I'm living in the reality of what I saw on the sidewalk. You know what irritates most people? Is that they can't control you if you're yielded to God. See, the enemy wants to control people. God wants to liberate people. You can have what everybody else has in that Bible. You can have anything your heart desires. Somebody says, oh no, I just want what Jesus wants. Jesus wants you to have joy, peace, righteousness, kindness. You can't have, you, you, you can't have the, the mindset of, well, I just, I, I wouldn't. I mean, people, I, oh man, I try to compliment some people. I go, man, you, you have a beautiful voice. Oh, it's Jesus. I just, yeah. I go, actually, no. His voice is much better than yours. I just want to take the compliment back because of their false humility. It's just, it's just, it's crap. It is because it's false humility. Just say thank you. What's wrong with that? Oh, no, it's Jesus, is it? Actually, it's not. It's not. He's much better than you are. Jesus gave me this song in the secret place. There's a reason why it was in the secret place. It's supposed to be a secret. <laughs> I get crazy stuff. <laughs> Roy, God gave me the song. I know. I listened to it. He didn't want anybody else to have it. Now, somebody goes, that's not very nice. You know what? That's truth. But people are afraid of man. What if I offend her? What if I offend him? What if they leave the church? What if they do this? What if they take their ties with me? That's called the fear of man. Speak your heart and let the chips fall. And what you have to work with will be real. You got about a quarter of people who are like, Amen. Everybody else is like deer in the headlights. I want real. How many feel called to the full-time ministry in here? Okay, listen to me. Paul actually told us, don't many of you become teachers. Why? You're going to get your brains beat out. But what's going to happen? If you're really called, and not just, oh, that'd be kind of fun to do full time. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I could do it. I could get our branding going, and I could do that, and then that. Oh, we could have a meeting. People get excited, then leave, and come back. You have to be called. I asked Carl Strader, Pastor Carl Strader, 
before he passed away. I had an interview with him. I said, could you give me your greatest advice for a young guy? What would you be your greatest advice for a young guy getting into ministry? Here's what he said. Don't do it. Get out now. <laughs> this guy was like the pastor of pastors. Pastor Rodney had meetings at his, at his church, at Carpenter's church. He said, don't. I would tell him, don't do it. It's too hard. And then I thought, that's your answer? I was freaking out a little bit. I was just like, this is live on TV. In my brain, I just, I'm going to let you into my world a little bit. This is me in my brain. What? This is me outside. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. It's powerful. Amazing. Wow. Inside. Inside. <laughs> and then he turns it around and he goes like this. He goes, but if you're called, you have no choice. You have to do it. Because you have to be called. It's a calling. And people that are called value the things of God. People that are called will even value tonight. They'll look past all this. This is, this is who I am. If you got a problem with it, take it up with God. He broke the mold with me just like he did with you. But he doesn't, he doesn't, you don't get to choose the vessels. He chooses the vessels. Remember, Catherine Kuhlman was like his fifth choice because all other four or five passed it up. The four before her passed up the opportunity. They didn't want to pay the price because the anointing costs a price. Jesus was reading those scriptures. He was understanding the price. He paid the ultimate price, but he did that so we could reign in this life now as sons and as daughters. And as we preach and proclaim the gospel and we see the harvest come in, there's never been a time I've ever seen it in my lifetime where the harvest is so ripe. People are literally calling us up left and right, asking us to lead, us, lead them to Jesus. I'm not joking. I'm talking about in the thousands over the last few months, thousands are calling us up and emailing us and messengering because of these live broadcasts. Bro, I have a whole new group of people that have never been church that are coming to our meetings. You know why? Because I got kicked out of Disney. I'm serious. Because I folded some money and it got 28 million views. Because I mentioned Jesus in there. I said, hey guys, this is the God of this world who's actually making fun of you and laughing at you. But wouldn't you like to know the God who actually created this world? I was leading people to Christ left and right before I folded that money. And then Facebook took it down because they were like, it's false news. We fact checked it. And we know we can rely on them because they are awesome at fact checking. They're the fast Facebook fat checkers. I wrote them back. I said, did you say that you fat checked me? Is that what you said? I want to report you. <laughs> now, here's the deal. Tonight, if you read the Bible, and I hope tonight you will. I hope tonight you'll go home and read Proverbs chapter 3 again tonight. I would encourage every single person to read Proverbs chapter 3. It's not just talking to Solomon's son. 
It's not just talking to Jesus. It's actually talking directly to you. He sees you the same way he sees his son Jesus. Now Jesus, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. But I can tell you right now, when Jesus came down, he came to reveal who you are. So he set the precedent and he set as the template of how your heavenly father sees you. If you don't see yourself as Jesus is, and here's the deal. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 says, As he is. You guys are really slow on the draw here. As he is, so are we. There it is right there, 1 John 4, 17. As he is, so are we in this world. So you can start looking at everything around you and begin to declare to it, and you will see it come into your reality. And if you think to yourself, well, you got the bus because you had partners and friends give to you. No, I didn't need partners and friends. I already saw it before I ever said one word. I was going after it no matter what came in. I already believed it. How many are believing God for some big things right now? Now here, why are you believing God for big things? Is it to increase you or to increase the kingdom? Because I'll tell you right now, if your heart and your true motive is to increase the kingdom, you can have whatever your heart desires according to Jesus. Ask anything in my name and it shall be given unto you. But if you're just trying to get it for yourself, and, I just, and the Lord does want to bless you, don't get me wrong. But if it's just for you and it's just so you could just have and you have no absolute, no plan to do anything for the kingdom, good luck with that. Maybe the Lord will even throw you a bone to see what you're going to do with it. But if you're doing the will of the Father, anything you ask in His name shall be given unto you. I just feel that right now in the room. That's faith. That's real. And it will become reality. You got big dreams. It's going to become a reality next year for you. The very thing you're believing God for. I'm not patronizing you. The, the very thing that you're believing God for, you're going to see it. You're going to pull it right into this realm and make it reality. You watch. You and you. You watch. You know, we, we have a lot in common because Pastor Rodney. You know, we've, we've, we've been under Pastor Rodney for 20 years now. He's totally radically changed our lives. I'll never forget the first time I started laughing in one of his services and my wife was the first one to laugh and it used to irritate me. It did. And I'm the goofiest guy in the world, but when it came to church, there's no laughing in church. It was just like, mm, keep that quiet. And then all of a sudden, my wife sounded like a chipmunk. Like, me, 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 me. <laughs> and, then, and then, I mean, my mom, she got touched in Toronto or something, and she came down, and my mom, my mother, in the middle of just a meeting, she just go, hey! And I was like, are you okay, mom? So is everything okay? And my stepfather, he would have this, like, like he would do that. Are you hailing a taxi cab? What's going on? And then my Aunt Bev, she'd be like, woo, 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 woo. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm moving to Florida. And then I came down, and my, 
I meet my, my fiance at the time, my wife now. She's, she starts laughing at me like a chipmunk. And then I get married, and her mother starts going off. The Spirit of God hits her. She starts cackling. I'm like, oh, my God, welcome to Disney. Then my brother-in-law gets married, and she sounds like a seal. Oh, 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 oh. I'm not making this up. And I'm trying to, like, concentrate. The bird is being spoken. Shut thy mouth. Shut thy pie hole. And then one time, the whole family got together. I am not making this up. I'm out. I'm and then 2006, Cape May, New Jersey, I'm ministering in a meeting, and my eyes go blurry, and I thought I lost my sight. I was thinking I lost my sight. So I looked at Melanie, and I go, honey, I can't read the words. I think, I think this is what happens when you need glasses. Why am I excited about that? I was drunk on the spirit. I was totally gone. And it hit me all at once. Everything I had been holding back on hit me in Cape May, New Jersey with 90 people in this little log cabin place that were doing a meeting. And I was like, oh, I think I'm drunk. <laughs> and I looked up and 90 people fell out of their seat and rolled on the floor. And we just had ourselves a time that night. Let me tell you. I heard all kinds of animal noises. I mean, it was crazy stuff. It was just like, holy cow, is this what's going on? You got to think to yourself in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit finally came down, when it touched all them in the upper room, they were all perplexed looking in going, whatever could this mean? You know what happened to everybody in that upper room when the Holy Spirit came? The fear of man waved bye-bye, and they were empowered and emboldened with the Holy Ghost. And they didn't care about what anybody thought anymore. And they must have laughed with a laugh like you couldn't believe. They must have had been hysterical. And I'll bet you anything, the devil was going, wait a second, I thought I killed Jesus. What's going on here? Peter, you kind of look like Jesus. What's going on? John, you look like Jesus. Wait a minute. Bartholomew, you look like Jesus. Philip, what's going on? I'm surrounded by Jesuses on the earth. He didn't just come down, die, and rise again. He put his spirit inside of every single person. I'm in trouble. Come on, somebody. The devil is in trouble because you exist and you're alive and we are alive and well and we're full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And we have his word living in our hearts and when we read this, we read it just as Jesus read it. We can read the same way. Did this help anybody tonight?
You know, the Bible says only by faith can we enter. Only by faith. You have to believe it. It's one thing to get hallelujah about it. It's another thing to actually believe this when you walk out those doors. I use this example because this is a result to me. And it's one of many testimonies. You know, <laughs> before the whole thing happened 18 months ago, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me and said, I want you to go to jail. And I went to jail. I pulled back my schedule, went to jail. For a year and a half, I went to jail. I didn't even know what I was doing. All I did was preach the word three days a week to like 30 inmates in each classroom. It just kept going on and on. I couldn't tell anybody because it was a private thing between me and the Lord. I had to wait for the Holy Spirit to let my partners and friends even know. It was the weirdest thing, but it was the greatest thing, and it broke my heart again for the lost. It got me out of the Christianese and into where all the people really are. And we had some of the most glorious conversions and salvations I've ever witnessed or seen in my entire life. And it didn't just change them, it changed me. And you know what happened? I want to share this last part. Stay standing, it's okay. You need the blood flow. In fact, everybody, just stand on your feet. Come on, act like you're excited. That's fake. I hear a humming sound. Can you turn that off just for a second? Thank you for the help. Oh, it's you. <laughs> I asked you to help me. <laughs> He's like, man, I'm just doing what you asked me to do, man. You are no longer a servant. I now call you friend. <laughs> He's going to go home. He didn't call me family, man. He said, friend. Just give me a minute. Give me a minute. I want to tell this one little shot story here. I'm in the jail before the C word hit the whole world. And I'm erasing the whiteboard. <laughs> Great sound effects. I was erasing the whiteboard. And the inmates were going out, and they were getting their hands behind their back, going out of their cell. I had, su I, I tell you, I had such an amazing time. I, 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 I can't believe I'm even saying this. I enjoyed being in jail more than I enjoyed being in church. That's how powerful those meetings were. And I didn't have a guitar, and brother, I didn't have a piano. All I had was the word and a whiteboard. And they gave me one hour and 15 minutes and that's it. You're in and out. And you better, you better be true and real and know what you're talking about. How many know that's true, right? I think every minister should go to jail for at least a year. That's how I got into the jail. I walked up to a police officer who'd never been in before. I go, how do I go to jail? He went for his gun. Well, there's many ways. That's what he said. <laughs> Anyways, I'm erasing the whiteboard. This is a good time for music now. I'll get, play something medicational. <laughs> I'm having fun. This is good. I'm erasing, I'm erasing the whiteboard. Each swipe at a time. I heard the sound of a marker. 
The door closed. Out went the inmates. Now, I was sitting there, I was wiping the whiteboard. And this is after a year and a half of doing what the Lord told me to when it seemed really strange. Made no sense to pull back my schedule and do this. Made no sense whatsoever. Financially, it's retarded because you're not going to, there's no offering. Did I say something, PC? Did I say something wrong? I've done it again. Where's Britney Spears when you need her? Oops, I've done it again. (laughs) They walk out, and I erase, and I hear the Lord's voice after a year and a half of being in the jail, before the pandemic broke out. And here's what I heard. This wasn't on your radar, was it? Can I tell you something? There is a difference between the voice of the Father, the voice of Jesus, and the voice of the Holy Spirit. They have three distinct voices. It was the Father speaking to me. I can't explain what that's like. It literally caused my body to stop. It doesn't matter what my surroundings are. It doesn't matter where I am, what's going on. He just spoke. And he says, this wasn't on your radar, was it? And I went, no. And I instantly began to weep. I said, no. And I heard these words. I'll never forget them the rest of my life. In fact, they carry me the rest of my days. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I said, you're proud of me? I start breaking down. I go, you're proud of me? He goes, you're exactly where I want you to be in this season of your life. Then he says this, and you can hear my voice. I go back home. I tell my wife, as I always do, I'm over demonstrative about life. I just, my my daughter just posted a thing because yesterday was my birthday. And she, don't, don't say anything. She posted this thing and she said, Dad, living with you is like always a movie moment every single moment. It's because I, I, I just love life. Life is amazing. How many are just glad to have life? You should enjoy it. And there's a fight and there's a, you know, there's, there's a time to get in there and let's do a little battle. And, and there's a time to rest and chill out and eat some sushi. And then there's time to worship. And then there's time to cry. It's like Ecclesiastes. There's a time to die. There's a time to be born. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. It's the same as weeping. But she didn't know that. But I heard him say that to me. And I began to realize the whole purpose of Jesus was to come reveal himself in me. And you and those inmates in there that everybody else wants to throw away because they messed up and broke the law, because they did something wrong. You know, most people don't understand is the majority of those men that were in that jail were fatherless or beaten to death by their dads. Now, that doesn't make it right for what they did, and that's why they're in jail. I say, if you go do something and break the law, they should lock you up, and then I'll minister to you in jail. I absolutely believe that. How do you feel about guns, Brother Roy? I've had that question. 
Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. If it gets to that point, I don't think it will. I don't think it should. But if it does, we want our freedom with the Bible and guns. Sorry if you don't like that. Your freedom is there because of that. Somebody had to pay a price for you with their life and blood. A complete stranger laid down their life for you so you could have freedom. And then people toss it around like it's not that big a deal. Oh, that drives me nuts. If you don't fight for it now, it'll be taken from you. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. God came to Cain. He's also a son, just like Abel. And he goes, Cain, what's wrong with your face, boy? Why is your countenance so long? Don't you know if you do good, you'll be accepted? Be careful because sin's desire is for you. But you must master it. Cain decided not to master it and give in to his flesh carnal mind and had the fear of man where he just did what he felt because he just felt like I'm just angry and that's how everybody else should feel and that's all there's to it. And he killed his brother and then he carried that for the rest of his life. Jesus came. See, this is the beautiful thing about Jesus is Abel died without a cause and his blood screamed from the ground. Justice! But when Jesus died without a cross, his blood screamed out, mercy. See the difference? Both died without a cause. But the blood of Jesus screams out, mercy. So I looked at those inmates and all I could see was Jesus would have been there. I, we had this 170, I don't have much time. This 172-year-old man ran a meth lab, shot in the leg in Vietnam. He'd been in jail for 40-something years. It's crazy. He goes, today is the first time I've ever understood the gospel. I've heard all these preachers. He goes, but you came in today. He goes, I, for the first time, I feel like I actually heard what you said. Because I was talking about a cane that has a little hook on it of how the shepherds would pull the sheep back into the flock and how the other end of that would actually kill the wolf, not kill the sheep or beat the sheep. The hook was designed to pull the sheep back into the flock so they would be protected by the others. And I said, I don't know, the Holy Spirit had me say, hey, John, how many people are you in relationship with? He goes, I haven't been in relationship with anybody lately, to be honest with you. And all of a sudden, like this pear drop from heaven hit me, and I began to weep, and I said, John, God got a hold of me to come and rescue you. I said, that's why you can hear the gospel today. He called me to his cell by himself in private. We stood there. I said, "What do you? why am I here? He goes, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. <laughs> 72 years old. It was like leading my father to the Lord. I mean, I walked down the halls and just wept and wept and wept and wept and wept. And you know how Jesus thanked me for doing that when it made no sense? There was no money. There was nothing lucrative. There was no money shot. There's no crowd shot. There's no pat on the back. It's just you did what the Lord told you to do. You, do it. you know what happened? A lady dumps $100,000 into our bank account right before COVID hits. Trump comes on the television and says, we're shutting down all travel. And I sat back and smiled. And I went, we did what the Lord told us to do. And we're blessed to be a blessing. 
This has been the best years of our life these last couple years. I'm not making this up. Today in this place, there are many of you that are expecting God to do big things in your life. He's looking and expecting big things to happen in your life, but you have to believe that you actually receive them. But if your flesh is too loud, then you can't hear the volume of the Spirit. You know how you quiet the flesh down? You get in the Word. And you shut down all the voices and you reinforce those roots. And you drive them down. And when the storm comes along, you might get knocked, but you just go. I'm pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Destroyed. 